Welcome to the Channel 17 Podcast, a weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at ProdLeisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and joining me as always is my father, Tim Floyd. Yes, Will, and it's great to be with you once again. Yes, and uh, we are continuing our off-season discussion of great or memorable Atlanta Braves through history, and we definitely have someone who fits the first category, if not as much the second one for his personality, Daryl Evans. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about I, him. Certainly, I do remember yes. him well myself because that's that's the era when I, you know, I was really into it and I was excited about this young prospect, Daryl Evans. And well, we'll talk about all of that, yes. won't we? Um, but first, the only real news from the Braves is that their AAA franchise has changed names. They are they the Gwinnett Stripers, which they said they got the name from the Stripe Bass in Lake Lanier, and it comes with a complete rebranding, and they are now mostly green. And they'll have, you know, like fish, kind of, that's, I, I hate the, the Miami Marlins, Everybody calls the fish. Why would we want to have a farm team that's called something about fish? But Well, oh, here, here are the other things. This was not one of the names they had been teasing all offseason. Oh, yeah, fans they, they could have been, for example, the buttons. I would have right? loved that. Yeah. Imagine an anthropomorphic button swinging a bat. There, that would be great. Um, yeah. Then you also would have been... Probably with a quill pen behind his ear. All yeah. Because right, on the side, he signs the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. I mean, Button Gwinnett also lost in a duel in embarrassing fashion, but whatever. Uh, Button Probably Gwinnett calls him an opportunity to have a AAA team named after him, too. Yeah. Uh, that's gone. They did have the Big Mouse as one of the candidates, along with Sweet Teas and Hush Puppies and other things that would have been more fun. Yeah. And they landed on Stripers. I got nothing against Stripe Bass or, or Stripers well, uh, in, in general, but I, as I say, yeah. I don't like the idea of us having a fish mascot also when this was announced uh much of twitter pointed out that people are going to see it as strippers because people did that (laughs) Uh, that wasn't thought through and then also apparently uh striped bass are not green largemouth bass are green but a striped mouth a striped bass is not it's more of a gray and also if they're tying into lake lanier most of lake lanier technically is in hall and forsyth counties Oh, right, just a little bit in, in Gwinnett. But right. the, the main point here but is good job, guys. There's, been, there has been no news yes. in the Atlanta Braves front since we in talked fact, a week ago. If that's the best you can talk about. There's been little Winter news in baseball. Out, right, immediately, so the, yeah. there could be a lot of news before well, but we talk again. But there's not again, even, there not. you know, you already brought up the Marlins more as a fish thing. But, you know, the Marlins have made the only news by trading D. Gordon, not Giancarlo Stanton. And they traded. You, you had me going there for a minute. I haven't looked at the internet lately. You said the Marlins traded, and I was ready to hear you talk about Stanton. Nope, D. nope. Gordon, still, huh? still the Marlins. In fact, uh, Stanton's list of teams he would go to expanded because the negotiations aren't going well. Um, right. So this is how slow the news is. Um, Shohei Otani hasn't signed. There's nothing going on. So let's talk about the Braves of the '70s. Okay. Um, and the Braves' worst decade in Atlanta, I think. At least the 60s, you know, they were a mediocre team who won a division. The 80s had some of the absolute worst stretches in Atlanta Braves history. Probably some of the worst seasons overall. But at least they were good for a couple of years and actually won the division one year. The 70s, they never won squat. Um, 
And the worst part is they got progressively worse year after year throughout the decade until they started to turn the corner right at the end. But it was it was a pretty miserable decade for Atlanta Braves fans. And one of the uh, bright spots in the early 70s when the Braves were slowly and slowly getting worse season by season was Daryl Evans, who is our main featured talking point. But we're also going to talk about Daryl Evans as symptomatic of the Braves of the era. Um, right. Daryl Evans is... Actually, Bill James rated him as the 10th overall third baseman in Major League history in his new historical baseball abstract in the year 2000 and called him the most underrated player in baseball history. Let's make sure our, our listeners heard that. The most underrated yes. player in Major League history, according to the great Bill James. And, and I might disagree with Bill James. Um, what he did, and it's a really great... Um, I mean, get the book if you don't have it. Seriously, guys, it's on Kindle. But also, uh, he actually lists out 10 things that make a player underrated. So I'm going to kind of summarize those. First, specialists and players who do two or three things well are overrated. Players who do several things well are underrated. Two, batting average overrated. Secondary offensive skills, underrated. Yep. Driving in runs is overrated. Scoring runs is underrated. Players on championship teams are overrated. Players on bad teams are underrated. Big market players are overrated. Small market are underrated, although James points out that's not as big a deal as people think. Um, similarly, players who are quotable, interesting personalities are overrated. Quiet players are not. Um, players who play in parks and eras which favor them. Daryl Evans did not really. He was a home run hitter in the launching pad for a little bit. That was it. Uh, undocumented skills, such as leadership and defense, just being a smart player. Uh, and then anything that breaks up a player's career. Essentially, if you move positions, you change teams. Pretty much other than the park thing, Daryl Evans has this. Yeah, and first and foremost, he played in an era, the pre pre-Bill James era, when yes. everybody thought batting average was about the most important offense statistic, and he had a career batting average of not much more than 240, right? Uh, I believe um, it was 248. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, he, okay, 248, at least it's below 250. His own base percentage was what? 361. 361. As James often says, the most important offensive skill is not making outs. You only get 27 of them, and if you don't make an out when you come to the plate, you're a, you're contributing to the cause every time. Uh, and the guy could get on, even though he didn't hit for much of an average, he led the league in walks a couple of times, I well remember, mm -hmm. with the Braves early on. Um, and, and he hit with power, um, the secondary skills. So even though his, his, his batting average was not good, even in the context of his day, yeah, the guy, the guy was a very valuable offensive player in ways that were especially underrated in his era. Now, for, for people your age and younger who are well familiar with so many of the you know advanced stats, um, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine what it was like back in the 60s and 70s when people really did think that if you could hit for a high average and drive in a lot of runs, that proved you were a great ball player. Um, he, he didn't drive in as many runs as some others, but he scored a lot of runs because he's on base a lot, right? Mm -hmm. he, he wasn't a great base runner. He wasn't fast. Um, people wouldn't have thought of him as a, as a, as a guy who'd score a lot of runs, but you know, how do you score a lot of runs? Get on base a lot. <laughs> you make a right. lot of outs. You're not going to score as many runs, right? 
they're tied together. And the other thing about Daryl Evans that kind of strikes me looking at his background. So he was born in Pasadena, California in 1947. And he ended up going um, to John Weir High School in Pasadena and then on to Pasadena City College. Pasadena City College is a two-year school, Uh right? So it's not like he finished high school and big programs came calling. He was drafted out of high school in the 13th round by the Cubs, but clearly they weren't taking him on. They kind of had. Did OJ Simpson go to Pasadena City College before he went on to SC? You're, you're he went to some look up community OJ college. And if so, they might have been there together. No, he was oh, in well. Oakland. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking, you know, in order to get into Southern Cal, he went to a, a community college. Yeah, down but there. He, he did that, I think, in the Bay Area. Maybe so. Well, we'll see. Daryl Evans. No, that, that's um, not the point. Um, I think Darryl Pasadena Evans City a, College is where Jackie went. Jackie Robinson. Uh, oh, well, of course. Yes. So way better person. Um, <laughs> light news. But Daryl Evans is at a two-year school, presumably doing well, although I can't really find anything about how he did there as a hitter. But he got... Tra- th- this is on his baseball reference page. Draft. Drafted by the Chicago Cubs in the 13th round of the 1965 MLB June Amateur Draft from Weir High School. The New York Yankees in the second round of the 1966 MLB January Draft Secondary Phase from Pasadena City College. The Detroit Tigers in the fifth round of the 1966 MLB June Draft Secondary Phase from Pasadena City College. The Philadelphia Phillies in the third round of the 1967 MLB January Draft Secondary Phase from Pasadena City College. And the Kansas City Athletics in the seventh round of the 1967 MLB June Draft Secondary Phase from Pasadena City College. So he got drafted one, two, three, four, five, six times. For it right. um, and, and who did he end up signing with? The A's. Right. And he was good in the A's minor league system. Uh, as a 20-year-old in his draft year, he hit 326 overall across three levels, although it should be noted that the next year when he made it to Birmingham, um, he really wasn't good for their double-A team there. And then the Braves picked him up in the Rule 5 draft. In other words, um, the A's just let him go. Right. Um, and think about the this. A's, the A's did have a young third baseman named Sal Bando. They yeah, were the A's were not hurting for young for talent right. in 1968 is the real point right. here. Um, but here you have a lefty hitting... Capable third baseman with some pop. He didn't show off the power he would later have, but he hit nine home runs in 83 games across two levels for Atlanta in the minor leagues in 1969. He got into 12 games at the end of the year for the pennant-winning Atlanta Braves. Cleet Boyer wasn't a young guy, so hey, maybe... You can see a future for him. Oh, yes, and I remember that well. There wasn't information about prospects back then. This is long before the Internet. But there'd there'd be articles in the local paper and the sporting news, and and the Braves had some young players. I mean, you know, when the Braves came to Atlanta, we talked about this a couple of times, they had a solid core of excellent regular players. But many of them were getting older. They'd they'd been traded away. Um, And the good news was 
because they, they won the pennant in 69, and there was a lot of talk about, oh, but there are a lot of very good young players uh, ready to replace these veterans, so the future is bright for the Braves, and Darrell Evans was certainly one of those guys. He was clearly the third baseman of the future. But the future took a while to come. Yeah. Yeah, Boyer hung on a couple more years, didn't he? And he probably shouldn't have, to be honest. I know you yeah, love Cleet Boyer. You, you know my view on Cleet Boyer. I think he's the best defensive third baseman of all time. Right, he's based, one of the worst. Based on my view as a kid from watching him every day, third uh, baseman. The metrics do ever. tend to show he, he he may be in that conversation. Yes. but in any event, he was he was a hell of a defensive third baseman. He was never a hitter. No, he had and, over twenty home runs the year he came to Atlanta, uh, and everybody thought, well, maybe the guys figured out how to hit. Well, that was kind of a fluke of that ballpark. Yeah, uh, Cleet Boyer was a a poor offensive player. But so it was not until 1972 when Darrell Evans was 25 years old that he became a regular, really. Right. He got into... The way I remember it was, they actually let Boyer go during the season in 71, and he took yeah. over as the regular for he the season. He got into 89 games. So I think technically his rookie year would have been 71, but he wasn't yes. a full-time regular all year until 72. But, I mean, he doesn't get 161 games until 1973. Right. He's 26. So if we also talk about, you know, sometimes guys are a little more appreciated if they come up young and make a splash. Darrell oh, Evans kind of good, worked at it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was always a capable, smart hitter. As we already said, he never hit for a high average. He would strike out and Although I gotta say, hit the ball in his, the air. His first full year was 72. But I remember 73 so well. He had a hell of an offensive year in 73, right? You have the numbers in front of you? Yes. So this is what's interesting to me. So at this point, no one's going, man, Daryl Evans is a future superstar. This is the guy who's going to set the world on fire. Oh, right. When I was talking about the Braves' good young players, they had in the outfield Dusty Baker and Ralph Gar, both of whom looked like they could be really good major league players, and in some ways they both were. They had coming along Roland Office, who did not turn out to be a good major league player, although at the time everybody said this could be the leadoff man and center fielder of the future. Um, they, 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 they had Earl Williams behind the plate in 71 and 72, uh, hitting a lot of He was of rookie of the year, wasn't he? He was rookie of the year, his rookie year, 71, I guess it was, or was it 70? But in any event, uh, yeah, they, they had some good young position player talent. As usual, they never had any pitchers. I mean, we've yeah. talked about that before, but um, looked like there were a lot of good regulars, and Daryl Evans was you know, was not the only one, but, but one, of the, one of the good ones. Uh, but he's a third baseman. He hits okay. Uh, and in some ways, this speaks to the way that third basemen are always weirdly appreciated. Um, basically third base is both a defensive position and an offensive position in the way that baseball people think about it, right? Right. If a guy's a first baseman or left fielder. is the most underrepresented of all the positions in the Hall of Fame, right? right? I mean, that's been true for a long time. Um, and throughout, you know, the first half of the 20th century, there really weren't very many good offensive third basemen. It was more of a defensive one. In the, my childhood, the 60s, there were a lot of good third basemen. You know, Ron Santo, ultimately in the Hall of Fame, Ken Boyer, um, Brooks Robinson, got in mainly for his glove, but, you know, not a bad hitter. Um, and there were several other good third basemen. Eddie Matthews, along. who we've already talked about in this And series. Eddie Matthews was probably the best third baseman um, of them all through the through the 50s and into the 60s. Maybe one of the but very best of all time. Darrell Evans has a season in 1973 which can stand with any of them. Yeah. 
He gets into 161 games for a team that was solid. They weren't great, but they weren't bad. Um, he hits 281, which I believe was his career high. That probably was. He was not known yeah. for average. That, that, yeah, it probably was. I mean, he hit 318 in 12 games in 1970. Doesn't count. Okay. But he hit 281 and then also managed to tack on 124 walks. Which puts his own base percentage up around 400, I would guess, right? Yeah, and only eight of them were intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, his on-base percentage was 403. Perhaps more spectacularly, he hit 25 doubles, eight triples, and 41 home runs. Yeah, that's a... That's a hell of a year. That, that That's that's a Hall of Fame caliber year. You do yeah. that on a regular and, basis. It's an MVP caliber year. Um, I doubt he got you know, very many votes. Um, he came in 18th. 18th. Okay. Well, part of it was he, he, he had a teammate, Davey Johnson, who out homered him. Yeah. Who hit 43 that year. Yep. Playing second base who had come over actually in the Earl Williams trade from Baltimore and Mr. Aaron, who we talk about so often in his, um, age 40 season, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, hit 40 home runs himself. Um, they became the first team history. Three teammates hit, each hit 40 home runs. So he got he got a little bit overshadowed and therefore yes. underrated even in his best season. You're right. But and the Braves were, were pretty lousy in 73. He was worth nine wins above replacement that year, according to baseball reference. Wow. Um, how many how many Braves have ever had a season in which they were nine wins above replacement? Before 1991, well, Aaron and Matthews, maybe? That's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's pretty insane. Because he was also a good defensive third baseman. Well, here's what I remember about third base. He did not have a reputation as a good defensive third baseman. But Eddie Matthews was a coach for the Braves when Evans came up. And then by 73, the year we're talking about, Eddie Matthews was the manager. And I remember so well that all the articles in the paper about it, Eddie Matthews was determined to turn Darrell Evans into an excellent defensive third baseman. If not excellent, at least very good. Boy, does this sound familiar? Remember, mm-hmm. Eddie Matthews came up with a reputation as not being a good defensive third baseman, but lots of hard work taking just tons of ground balls. He turned himself into a very capable defensive third baseman, and he, I think he must have seen a lot of himself in Darrell Evans because those are Eddie Matthews-type numbers that Darrell Evans put yeah. up there offensively. And, and by all accounts, and again, I don't know what the metrics say, Darrell Evans turned into a, a very good defensive third baseman over the years. But apparently it was... He wasn't that way in the minor leagues, uh, and he, he became one. And in some ways, too. being able to make the throw across the diamond consistently and never have an error there, knowing when to throw to second and when to throw to first, there are yeah. things that you can learn at third that make a huge improvement. And, you know, getting yourself in front of the ball. You got it. Yeah. You, you got its position. You don't have to be fast, but you got to have quick feet, and you also have to be pretty fearless. You just have to make sure you knock that ball down. There's so many plays you can make, even if you don't glove it cleanly, as long as you keep it in front of you. And that just that just takes a lot of practice, I think. But this is a season for the ages, and then he's not as good the next year, but he's still really excellent as a player. Uh, he hits 240, which changes things, but he still walks 126 times. he was not very good that year because he hit 240. Right. But yeah, how many times did he walk? 126. So his own base percentage is is 381. Not as, 381. You'll take that any year. Yeah. Uh, 
he only hits 25 home runs as compared to the 41 of the year before, but 25 home runs from a third baseman in 1974 is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, He gets 99 runs as compared to 114 the year before, but only knocks in 79. So as you were saying, those old traditional methods, he seems to be falling by the wayside. He's scoring more runs than he's driving in. Nothing wrong with his RBI totals. They're pretty good. But yeah. um, his batting average is not that good. His RBIs went down. I remember most everybody said, oh, what a disappointment. Darrell Evans in 1974 when the guy, you know, he had a hell of a year. But wasn't 1974 also kind of a disappointment for the Braves in general? Oh, well, you know, it was it was actually the Braves' best record of the decade in what, what was so odd about 74, I told you what a bad decade it was. It was one of the only years they had a winning record, and they won, I, oh, don't hold me to this, in the upper 80s, 88 or something like that, um, which for the 70s Braves was great. And what was so odd about it was they, they won 88. Pitching. I just pulled it up. Well, well thank you. Um, they, they, they did it with pitching. They had the league ERA champ and Buzz Capra and Phil Necro, I think, finished third. Um, they had an excellent starting pitching staff. It's, it's so bizarre because the 73 team that had the three guys hit 40 home runs and they had Ralph Gar. I mean, that they were, they had Dusty Baker. It, it was, it was a hell of a team offensively and horrible on the mound. Everybody on the Braves took several steps back offensively in 74, just as the pitching came around. It was kind of the story of the decade. By the rest of the decade, they weren't good either offensively or defensively. Nope. nope they were pretty bad. Um, but 73 and 74, if they'd put the two together, 73's offense and 74's pitching, they'd have won over 100 games. But, but you know what's funny about that way. 74? Necro was a really good pitcher. Everybody else was just a guy. Yeah. Um, well, Buzz Capra could have turned out to be a good oh, pitcher. Go he, he, he was for real. He just couldn't stay healthy. Um, Buzz Capra reminds me so much of Chris Medlin. Um, little guy, and people didn't think he could do it, but he had... You know, pinpoint control and a live moving fastball. Oh, don't get me started about Buzz Capra. He never had another season like that. Of course, he was. He he didn't even have as good a career as Chris Medlin. Uh, but for one season, he was probably the best pitcher in the National League. But you know what I was going to say helped them? Their infield defense. Yeah. Now, Marty Perez and Craig Robinson were not great players. I'm not arguing that. No. In fact, they were pretty abysmal. But they were oh, good defensively. They were awful, right? And Davy Johnson had moved to first, very capable second baseman, solid first baseman. It just makes everything easier. Um, and in a home run park, if you can get some double plays and you don't put people on through errors, you're going to minimize the damage. And Johnny Oates behind the plate was a very good defensive catcher. Again, Truth. abysmal offensively, right? Um, and Daryl Evans was. By far the best position player on that team. Oh, right. I mean, it talked about everybody's production went way off, and it did, as did Darrell Evans. But even so, he was still a really I mean, good offensive player that year, right? That's the year Ralph Gar hit three fifty three. Not everybody oh, right. fell off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was even so, you know, Ralph Gar hit three fifty three, right? And would you say Darrell Evans hit two forty? Uh huh. I suspect in a lot of ways you measure it, Darrell Evans was still well, a better you're, offensive player than Ralph Gar even that year. You're getting to something I wanted to bring up. Okay, go right ahead. Gar hit 17 triples that year, and we're going to talk about Ralph Gar more next week because Ralph Gar's funny. So his slugging was higher. But Darrell Evans' on-base percentage was only two points behind Ralph Gar's. Okay, so... Um, and... They got a, 
in some ways, again, the most you know, important offense is Vistic. They were pretty much even. Darrell Evans is a good defensive third baseman. And, and Ralph Garr was not a good defensive left fielder no. by most accounts. And he was 27 years old. And you got to think, this is a cornerstone for the future for the team if you're going to get good again. Just entering his prime years, right? And in 1975, the team collapsed, although they had Ted Turner trying to do stuff. Right. And this starts to get to our larger point of the day. Evans hits 243, 361, 406. It's like what he's done before, but not quite as good. Yep. Then in 1976, in the first 44 games, Evans comes out of the gate hitting 173, and his only extra base hit in 139 at-bats is a one home run. That's a very slow start. For a guy who should be in his prime, right? You're talking about 76. Yeah. He's, what, 29 years old, 28 years and old? And so you can kind of see, hey, if someone thinks they could turn Daryl Evans around, maybe he has some name cachet. He isn't doing well. Maybe we can make a trade. This is, this is the very epitome of selling low, though. It um, is. Daryl Evans had had, you know, as you say, a season for the ages just three years before, had a really good season the next year, tailed off a little more, and he, he has a bad two months in 76, right? And so what do the uh, Braves that's all do? we're talking about, just a couple of months. So they made a trade. <laughs> the trade in full, occurring on June 13th, 1976. The Braves traded Daryl Evans and Marty Perez. Uh-huh. to the San Francisco Giants for the headliner being Willie Montanez. Right. They also got back Craig Robinson for reasons they're passing. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Little. Jake Brown and Mike Eden. Um, the, the Any only Jake Brown or Mike Eden memories? In that deal, in the way I, I couldn't have told you anybody else in it, but that was the Daryl Evans for Willie Montanez trade. Um, and it was a kind of a straight-up deal. Um of, of first baseman, because this right. time they, they were starting to play Evans at first base, and my memory but, was San Francisco put him at first base. Yes, you have um, no memory of Jake Brown or Mike Eaton. No, none whatsoever. And we have already weirdly covered Marty Perez Craig, Craig Robinson. Robinson was uh, a good fielder and one of the worst offensive players in the history of baseball, probably. But Marty Perez was um, played a lot of baseball and never very effectively. <laughs> Here's um, something I remember about him, and it just shows you what what an awful era it was. Milo Hamilton, the Braves announcer, his nickname for Marty Perez was Taco, um, because he was Mexican American, if I remember right. Um, but anyway, that's 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 a story for another day. Those changes that have come. Yeah, Milo Hamilton, everybody. Um, right. Willie Montanez had come up in 1971 with the Phillies. Right. And as a center fielder, and he was second to Earl Williams as rookie of the year. I did not remember he came up as a center fielder. Okay, and he hit thirty home runs. Very good. Oh, I remember that because <laughs> I, I remember the rookie of the year voting as usual. I'm a big proponent of the Braves players, and Earl Williams, I want to be rookie of the year. But Montanez, yeah, he was a he had a really good year. But like, he's a decent outfielder, and then I don't really get why. I tried to look this up. He basically becomes a first baseman by 1974. Yeah, I don't know. He also, and I don't totally get this, he goes from a low average power hitter to a high average line drive hitter, and I'm being generous there. He could hit right. 300. 
he never like hit 330. Yeah. I just pulled him up. In the two years before the trade, 74 and 75, his batting average was 304 and 302. Hey, he's a 300 hitter. And you know what? Their 11's the bum can barely hit 240, right? He also hit 30 doubles each year and had double-digit home runs. They aren't that different in offensive quality. Well, look at the balls line. I know. What I'm saying is... the biggest difference. Which I don't mean to. If you think that Evans is washed up and Willie Montanez is slightly younger, and you think it works better, well, it should be pointed he's out. He's a year younger. I mean, they are the right. same age, effectively. I mean, you can't really believe. But here's what shows the real problem: Daryl Evans was a capable third baseman. Right. Montanez was a not very good first baseman. By this point, I don't remember much about his defense. I tell you what, I do. Remember. I'm going on metrics. I, 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 and, you know, I don't know, it's hard to measure a first baseman anyway in a lot of ways. Your eyeball test doesn't tell you. But what I remember about him was if there was a pop-up over to first, he was kind of a hot dog, and he had kind of a snapping motion. He'd sort of hold his glove back, and then the pop would get near him, and he'd snap at it with one hand. And, um, you know, that's the kind of thing the, the announcers always say, oh, kids at home, don't ever try that. Uh, I don't remember that he dropped them. Maybe he did, but I, I can picture him doing that. Um. It's such a weird trade. He had been hitting 309, 351, 417 at the time of the trade. So this is why you could make the argument if you wanted that at that point, Willie Montanez was a better offensive player. They were comparable. Um, Very different styles, but they probably got to the same level. You couldn't really make that argument. I now have baseball reference up. What I'm saying is was the best season he ever had. His OPS plus was mm-hmm. 124. I know this number didn't exist then, so I didn't know how to do it. He is hovering around 100. His right. best OPS before the trade was 110 OPS plus. Darrell Evans was over 150 in his excellent year. Evans had proven that he was capable of being one of the best players in the league. Uh, Montanez was just the epitome of ordinary. Of a guy. <laughs> and he had pretty much and- just shown that by that time. And, as you already said, he didn't walk, and he hit into double plays all the time. He led the league in double plays in 75 and 76, both years where he got traded midseason. Yeah. <laughs> and fine as he hit into double plays, because he, he puts the bat on the ball. Obviously, he doesn't mm-hmm. walk or strike out a lot. Um, and, and he doesn't hit, hit the, the ball, ball with enough authority. Yep. Too. Mm-hmm. Right? The yep. way you avoid hitting into double plays is by hitting the ball hard in the air. Yeah. I don't know why well, people don't, don't get it. this. And I'm walk. serious. If you strike out and walk a lot, you know, you're hitting a lot of double plays, um, which is good and bad. But if you don't, I mean, if you're not walking, it means you're probably putting the ball in play. Because like, he wasn't a high strikeout guy either. The um, best, the most charitable explanation I can give is Daryl Evans had sort of fallen off a little bit. And you could say yeah. Montanez is a slightly better hitter. Daryl Evans. But everything else about it's off. Since 73. Uh, but again, that's that's quite a standard. Daryl Evans had a terrible two months, April and May in 76, and the Braves panicked. Right. I mean, they were terrible at that point. The Braves were a last-place team, um, and they thought they needed to shake something up. Um, but this young core of, you know, Dusty Baker and Ralph Gar and Daryl Evans, um, they pretty it, it clearly wasn't going to happen because by this time they, they were – they were a last-place team that was going nowhere. So, I mean, in some ways, you can't blame them for trying to shake it up. But they, if, if you're going to do that, 
you know, maybe you ought to trade for somebody who's got potential to be a good major league player for a few years. Right. But Willie Montanez hit at 300 for a couple of years, so obviously he's a better hitter than Daryl Evans, they think. Um, but let me also go over some other really dumb moves from that offseason to offseason. Right. Because one of the things that we should talk about is this is kind of the series of bad moves. Right. A team went from mediocre at the beginning of the decade to atrocious. To um, toward the end. Now, by the very end of the decade, they had started to turn the corner, had some good young players, you know, in 78, 79, that by 81 and 82 turned out to be pretty good major leaguers. But, but let's start um, with November by, by, 1975. Okay. When the Braves traded Dusty Baker and Ed Goodson to the L.A. Dodgers for Lee Lacey, Tom Pachorek, Jerry Royster, and the aged Jimmy Wynn. Yeah, and you know what's so interesting about that? But the, that I, I'd forgotten those trades were that close together. It was oh, I'm not done. The same offseat. Well, let me let me stick. Dusty Baker and Daryl Evans were the two best of the young players that came along, both just entering their prime, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. Both had many, many, very, very good baseball seasons ahead of them. Uh, the Braves almost just gave away their two best players who were entering their prime for nothing. We're not I done. shouldn't say nothing. Um, Jerry Royster played for the Braves for many years. He was a utility guy who couldn't hit. Um, but one reason they traded Daryl Evans was Jerry Royster was their third baseman. Yep. And they they thought, oh well, we don't need Daryl Evans. We got a great and and I don't Jerry Royster. I don't remember his career numbers, but the guy was versatile and that he could play a lot of positions, but he couldn't hit. Lee Lacy was a career pinch hitter type, as was Tom Pachorek. Um, none of them were. I mean, nothing wrong with them. They both had pretty long careers, never as a regular. And Jimmy Wynn had once been one of the best players in baseball. Another underrated guy for many of the same reasons Daryl Evans, by the way. He probably would make... The only guy who touches Daryl Evans on most underrated list. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, a guy who, low average, lots of walks, and lots of home runs. He got a few good Um, years in L.A. to propel him, but... Right. Here's the thing. He's... This is a Jimmy Wynn whose career is pretty much over at this point. There, there's no future in Jimmy Wynn uh, if that's if that's what you're trying to do. Well, we tried these good young players; they're not working out. Let's let's restart. That wasn't what they're doing. They got a bunch of veterans, none of whom had any chance to really turn the. And team then you into know what they did? The next three or four years, less than a month later, they traded oh, Larvel yeah. Blanks and Ralph Gar to the White Sox for Ken Henderson, Ozzy Osbourne. I didn't know there was a baseball player named Ozzy Osbourne, and Dick Ruthven. <laughs> That's not a good trade either. Um, 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 You're going to defend Dick Ruthven now, aren't you? Dick Ruthven had some decent years with the – they did need pitching. But what's so stunning about that is the three really good players from the early 70s – Daryl Evans, we've talked about. Ralph Gar hit 350 in 74. Dusty Baker was probably better than either one of them or close to it and had been very solid. Um, they were the core. They were just still in their 20s, and they trade them all away for essentially nothing. When I say nothing, I mean nobody who could turn your team into some, something better than it was. At, at best, and they don't get younger. That were, no, they get older. Uh, Ken Henderson was older. Um I mean, they got one, and Dick Ruthven wasn't a good pitcher. <laughs> he never be. had an ERA under four for the Braves in yeah. the 70s. Yeah, um, okay, so that's... 
They also, on December 12th, traded Tom House to the Boston Red Sox for Roger Moray, and they traded Mike Lum to the Cincinnati Reds for Daryl Chaney, neither of which helped them at all. No, um, Mike Lum wasn't going to do a whole lot for them um, going forward. Um, Tom House uh, was actually a, a very good relief pitcher, although still his main claim to fame is that he caught Hank Aaron's 715th mm-hmm. home run, um, and he turned into a you know good pitching coach later in life. Uh, uh, there wasn't anything they lost much at that point. Here's the other. But they weren't doing things to make the franchise better in the long run. They ended up with some good young players later in the decade and in the 80s, but in the mid-70s, that's just, just the and this is when they did of it. floundering without having any idea what you're doing. Um. They also signed Andy Messersmith as a free agent that offseason. Well, that was that was a hell of a move. I mean, no. Andy Messersmith was one of the top two or three pitchers in the league. No, it wasn't. If I remember right, if I remember right, that in, like in '74 at least, yes, the year that Buzz Capra won the ERA title, I think Messersmith was second, um, and Necro was third. But anyway, they were. You know, he's he, he's that good a pitcher. He wasn't as good by the time they got him, and after they signed him, obviously he, he fell did off a cliff. The Braves. He really did. But he was also a 30-year-old pitcher who was coming from a pitcher's park. Not that anyone knew these things well. But, like, all the dumb things you could do are here. um, Pitcher Dodger Stadium was the best pitcher's park in the league, and Atlanta Fulton County Stadium was the best hitter's park in the league. Um, Dusty Baker goes to L.A., and he hits 30 home runs. Mm -hmm. He shows that guy was just a really good hitter yep. but Andy Messerfinth comes to Atlanta and he is not able to do anything um, I think he, he was injured and lost his stuff too the Braves make another weird trade that I had totally forgotten about um, even though this is one of my favorite players to bring up in June of 1976 they traded Lee Lacey and Elias Sosa to the Dodgers for Mike Marshall what? the Mike Marshall why do you How get Mike that? Marshall? Um, he was washed up. Um, he, he burned, you know, he, he won the Cy Young by pitching in virtually every game the Dodgers played in. And he had these weird theories that his arm could handle it. And of course it couldn't. And he had already <laughs> proved what his limit was with the Dodgers that year. Yeah. He actually pitched okay for the Braves, but then they went around and traded him to the Rangers the next year. And then you know what he did? He hooked up with Gene Walk in Minnesota and as a 36-year-old in 1979, got into 90 games and pitched 142 innings. So he wasn't totally done. Yeah, his arm needed some rest, though, after those innings he pitched at right, that but point, I think. You know that what the Braves front office at the time is thinking, hey, in 1974, Mike Marshall got in 106 games, finished 83 of them, threw 208 innings, and had a two four two ERA with a right. fifteen and twelve record. This is still like the most fun pitching line ever. It, it, there's never been anything quite like right. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he pitched more innings as a reliever than most starters do. To very very few yeah. starters pitch that many innings. But it hurt his arm, and then the Braves got right. him. That's you're right. That that's that's maybe the um, best example of all. By the way, I'm through with the 1976 season, but they go for the to the next, you know like spring training basically uh-huh. on these pages on baseball reference. So now I get this September 28th, 1976 signed Rafael Ramirez as an amateur free agent. This is like the first good move on this page. Yeah. And it's not special. It's solid. Right. Uh, they signed Gary Matthews as a free agent in 1976 off season. Yeah. 
That, and, that was how they were going to con- contend, by the way. Notice they're not mm-hmm. – they're trying to rebuild. They're not doing it through prospects or young players because Ted Turner was going to open up – this is the – Andrew Messersmith was the first free agent. Yeah. The free agent era is upon us. Uh, they were going to go out and sign free agent players to become a competitor, and Andy Messersmith and Gary Matthews were the, the first two big ones. Or – Matthews was not a bad player. They were going to make kind of got, stupid trades, right. such as – Trading Adrian Devine, Ken Henderson, Dave May, Roger Moray, Carl Morton, and two hundred fifty thousand dollars in 1976 baseball money to the Rangers for Jeff Burrows. Yeah, um, yeah. They, so they have an outfield, and they have Gary Matthews and Jeff Burrows in the late 70s, both of which put up you know okay numbers for teams that lost you know 100 games. But also, <laughs> both were just... kind of mad outfielders defensively. Well, yeah, Jeff Burroughs was a poor outfielder. He couldn't move well, and Sarge Matthews was – don't get him confused with Gary Matthews Jr. Yeah. G- Gary Matthews Sr. was not not a svelte fast guy. Yeah. So this is what the Braves were doing, and in many ways, I think you've always thought that the Daryl Evans for Willie Montanez trade is one that, of the That epitomizes it. I think that's the worst in a lot of ways, but on the other hand, these other ones you're telling me about, <laughs> it's, it's all part of a – one big strategy that's... And you, you need just, Sean Newcomb to um, be really good next year for you to get off the Andrelson trade being up there. Yeah. What's the uh, other... I, I haven't given up on that, though. Um, right. I mean, I, I I miss Andrelton Simmons because he is a delight to watch. Um, I think they gave up on him a little bit too early in terms of his bat, and he may have shown that a little bit with the Angels. Um but Newcomb could still turn out to make that trade worth it. I haven't given up on it. There, there was, was never nothing a smart about the Daryl Evans trade was going to benefit the Braves in the long run. Um, and the worst trade of all time by the Braves happened in August of 1983. Yes, um, Brett Butler and Brooke when, Jacoby for Lynn and that, That's a different kind of trade because the Braves at that point had won the pennant in '82. They were in it to the end in 83. They were competitive, at least right into August and September. Um, it looked like they, and they had a young team. Uh, and you mentioned Rafael Ramirez, who wasn't that good, but the young shortstop. But they had Dale Murphy and Bob Horner. They had gotten Claudel Washington and um, Chris Shambliss from the American League. Um, they had the young Glenn Hubbard, another underrated player. Um, the team was looking better, um, but they needed somebody to put them over the top. So they traded away their very best young prospects in Brett Butler and Brooke Jacoby for a pitcher who, I don't know who was worse for the Braves, Andy Messersmith or Lynn Barker. Lynn Barker. Um, but they were both, yeah, Barker was so horrible. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the Braves have such, you know, all this talk, by the way, to bring it to the present day, there's so much talk. The Braves need an established major league starter. And they do, because they don't have one, really, at kind of a, a top-of-the-rotation dependable innings eater. They have a dependable innings eater in Julio Tehran, but um, you know somebody who can really put lead the staff. They've tried that so many times before, and, and it just seems to never work. It but worked one Greg time. <laughs> it was Greg the, Maddox. That's the one free agent signing, obviously. That they already on. had two Cy Young candidates. By the way. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, Three, really. Getting back to Daryl Evans to wrap it up, he ended up playing after he was traded by the Braves for another 13 years. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, we I've been talking as if I knew all of that, and I didn't at the time. I I knew it was a bad trade even at the time, 
what I could not have known is the guy would be a very good major league player even into his late 30s. He played until he was 40, right? Mm-hmm. And he played at a very high level. The still, the Daryl Evans who, you know, hits with some power, walks a lot. Um, very good player for a long time. Played on a world champion with the Tigers. Yeah, and in fact, in 1985, he had 40 home runs as a 38-year-old, becoming at that point the oldest person to hit 40 home runs, although that would later be broken. Wow. Um, Thanks, Barry. Um, (laughs) But he, he kept kind of doing what he would do, and he actually returned to third base with the Giants. He'd hit between 240 and 260 with a lot of walks and medium range power in candlestick, which was a feat. Then he of course goes to Tiger Stadium. That's the other thing that people didn't recognize at the time. I said Dodger Stadium was the worst hitters park in the league, but that may not be true because candlestick, at least in certain years, depending on the weather, was probably worse. You also forgot the Astrodome existed. Oh, that's true. Well, that actually, that was the worst, (laughs) but those three were the worst. Um, (laughs) This is turning into the Spanish Inquisition sketch. Um, (laughs) The... The thing that's, I mean, Daryl Evans would go on to probably be more well-known because, again, he won a world championship and would make an all-star team later in his career after the Braves traded him. But the Braves started floundering, and they actually got Daryl Evans back in 1989. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. He got in 107 games as a 42-year-old hitting 207. I don't get it. But yeah. the Braves, the Braves have a penchant for doing that. You know, former players that when they're washed up, bring them mm-hmm. back, and for nostalgia. And of course, the the '89 team was again one of their worst, <laughs> yeah. um, hundred loss kind of team. Um, but, but they were about to turn the corner again for good. Fortunately, uh, at that point, Daryl Evans, I think, absolutely should be a Hall of Famer. I don't think he will be. If he if he is one of the top thir- 10 third basemen of all time, then yes, he should. I don't know whether that's accurate anymore. Um, James wrote that before Chipper Jones would have been in the mix, and clearly he is. Also, Scott um, Rowland would have jumped. And Scott Rowland would be better. Scott Rowland may be a Hall of Famer. Chipper and clearly will be very soon. A-Rod counts as a third baseman. Yeah, I don't know where you count him, but of course he's, he's there. Not that he'll be elected, but yeah, he belongs. <laughs> but what's... Um, but he's 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 so and we can make the Hall of Fame argument. We we we'll need to do that soon too with Hall of Fame balloting going on. One of one of one of our podcasts we'll talk about yeah. that again. But uh, Daryl Evans, if he's not a Hall of Famer, is one. He's he's he ought to be in the Hall of the very very good. Um, and he is one of the players that Braves fans should remember for more fondly, if only for his 1973 season, um, which was really sensational. Right. But, you know, he also is sort of symptomatic and, of the Braves and, getting really bad. And, and you know, I, I'm obviously what the Braves have done the last few years and their rebuild is tainted by the illegalities and the, um, the sanctions that have come down. But I, I still think if, if you want to take a team and turn it into a much better team going forward, you can't trade for... Your, your, your players in their mid-20s for other players in their mid to late 20s who aren't any better. <laughs> you you got you, you to gotta bring in a, a lot of young talent. I still mm-hmm. think the Braves have done that. We can talk about that later, too. It may or may not work out to turn the Braves into contenders again, but at least they had a plan. Uh, the Braves had no plan whatsoever back in the 70s. They were just, you know, okay, let's do this. He's had a bad week. Let's trade him. <laughs> and 
you know, it cost the Braves a really good player who played forever in Daryl Evans. Right. Um, yep. Our plan was going to be to talk about Ralph Gar next week, but we did get off on our schedule, and we kind of talked about Ralph Gar enough today, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. It's time to move on from the 70s. Sorry, Roadrunner. <laughs> um, so we're going to kind of do that by talking about the late 70s moving into the 80s. Uh, so you pick Murph or Horner. Um, we probably ought to talk about Dale Murphy um, because he is, by, by most people think, the greatest brave between Hank Aaron and the era of the 90s. And for a lot of people, he's still their favorite brave of all time. And now he's under consideration for the Hall of Fame sure. um, by this new committee. So that, let's, let's talk about Murph next All time. right. So next week we will be talking about Dale Murphy. Um, give our regards to Ralph Gar, but whatever. Uh, whatever happens with the Braves, we'll be chatting about it right here, along with our conversation about Dale Murphy on the Channel 17 podcast. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you're listening to us on either iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. That's how you help us to get onto charts. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Productive Leisure, and becoming one of our patrons by giving a small monthly contribution. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.